Hey, Bauer Report listeners. Last week, we released an additional episode of the podcast that featured the Himalayan Cataract Project, which is working to eradicate preventable blindness throughout the world. There are 18 million people in the developing world who are unable to perform the task of daily living because of easily treatable cataracts that can be addressed with a fast and inexpensive procedure. We're helping to raise $100,000 through a GoFundMe campaign to bring the organization back to Ethiopia and Eritrea, where on a recent trip to the region, they performed 4,300 sight-saving surgeries. If you'd like to learn more, have a listen to the special episode in our feed. We'll include a, a link at the bottom of this week's episode to the campaign. Thanks to all who gave, and if you haven't, we encourage you to consider making a donation to the cause. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. A holiday tradition at the Bio Report is to take a moment to reflect on the year past and look ahead to the new year with Adam Feuerstein, senior writer and national biotech columnist for STAT. We talked to Feuerstein about some of the highs and lows of the year in biotech, a few of the big stories he followed, and the big fourth quarter for biotech stocks. Feuerstein offers us a look at the best and worst CEO of 2019, the upcoming J.P. Morgan Conference, and what to watch in 2020. Adam, thanks for joining us. Hey, Danny. I feel like this is like a holiday tradition. For the it two is of us indeed. To, uh, to get together and talk about the new year. Unlike making cheesecake with goat cheese. Now, I didn't make it with goat cheese. <laughs> I know. It's it was goat cheese. Cheesecake. cheesecake, the greatest of all time. Yes, I... there was a little, there was a little, there was a little uh, confusion on Twitter. I, I have access to <laughs> Urban Dictionary, <laughs> so we're going to talk about the year that was in biotech. Touch on some highlights and, and look at what's ahead for the industry in 2020 at J.P. Morgan and beyond. Some of the financial numbers are down from a year ago, but overall, it was a big year for biotech and. Various indices are up 35 to 40%, thanks largely to activity in the fourth quarter. How do you think about 2019? What kind of a year was it overall? Yeah, I mean, if you do want to start with kind of the, with the stock, like anyone we spoke, um, you know, the, the sector was in the dumps, right? I mean, December of 2018 was a horrible time. Um, basically, all the biotech indices were crashing down. Um, and then... You know, then the Biogen, I'm not sorry, the Biogen, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Bristol Myers Celgene deal was announced right at the end of the year. And that sort of, sort of rallied stocks higher going into January. So if you look at 2019, you know, there really wasn't very much headway one way or the other made through pretty much all of the year. Trade, the stocks were kind of trading sideways for a long time. They were underperforming, uh, the S&P. And then, you know, kind of basically in the beginning of October, um, biotech stocks took off. So if you really look at the gains that were made, and you know, this is, it's, it's a great year. I mean, stocks are, 
if you look at a one year performance, the XBI, you know, which is kind of the, the, the indice, the index that I look at mostly, you know, it's up about 49%, um, over, over the last year. And pretty much all those gains are from October until the present. It was uh, another strong year for drug approvals, 49 as of December 20th, less than in 2018, but some very significant approvals nonetheless. Vertex cystic fibrosis, triple combination therapy, a life-changing and disease-changing therapy, one approval. How significant do you see this? And does it say anything about the types of therapeutic payoffs we're seeing and may see in the next few years? Yeah, I, I would say if you look at the, if you again if you look, you mentioned uh, Trikafta, the the Vertex CF drug, that was probably I would say you know up there on the top of sort of the most important, most meaningful drugs uh, approved uh, this year. You know now Vertex has drugs that can can address about ninety percent of the mutations uh, that cause CF. Um, the other big one this year was Zolgensma, uh, you know the gene therapy um, from Novartis, which treats uh, Spinal muscular atrophy, you know, the sort of the inherited, the very rare inherited, uh, fatal disease that afflicts children. Those probably were the, probably the two drugs that sort of at the top of my list, sort of notable approvals. And the other big thing, you know, big trend, certainly towards the end of the year was the FDA approving drugs early. Um, you know, Tricaptor was approved months ahead of schedule. There were a bunch of drugs at the end of the year that we were all waiting for 2020 for the approval decisions and they all came early. Um, so they, it seems like the FDA sort of dipped, looked ahead, dipped ahead into next year, into the well next year to, to, to approve new drugs. On the drug development front, I think one of the most surprising stories has been Biogen and it's failed and then revived Alzheimer's drug. What happened and, and how is this being viewed? And when do you think there may be clarity on it? Yeah, well, that, that was definitely one of the bigger uh, and, and more shocking stories of 2019. You know, we had all thought that Biogen's Alzheimer's drug, aducanumab, was kind of put on the shelf because, the you know, the, initially the company came out and said the studies, uh, the studies had, you know, had failed the futility analysis. Um, and then months later, we find out that, well, lo and behold, they did some more analyses. They, they did some longer term, they looked at some longer term data at a higher dose and they found what they describe as a, a significant and meaningful benefit for, for Alzheimer's patients. And now they're going to, uh, to file that drug with the FDA. And so that will be a very big story kind of into 2020. You know, again, depending on when they file, I mean, they're going to file early 2020. So I, the first thing everyone will look to is to see whether the FDA accepts that application and, and, and what kind of review it gets. And then, you know, maybe towards the end of 2020, uh, you know, in the back half of 2020, there could be an FDA advisory panel that will that will review that drug. So, yeah, that's that's could definitely be a big story for 2020. How much skepticism is there about that? Oh, there's a lot of skepticism. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the data were presented recently, I, I think that there's a lot of people who sort of look at it objectively and just do, do not see the benefit for this drug that that Biogen claims there is. Um, you know, on the other side, as you mentioned, you know, and as we mentioned, you know, the FDA seems to be very flexible and very willing, eager to approve drugs, even with data that are, you know, somewhat, you know, just somewhat mixed, let's say. And so um, there could be a lot of pressure on the agency to approve 
an Alzheimer's drug, you know, a disease where there are, like, there basically are no uh, really good effective treatment options for patients uh, suffering from that disease. So, you know, that's going to be sort of a push and pull there. You know, do you go with straight data or do you, you know, you say, look, this offers a little bit of hope for patients, uh, maybe a tiny little bit of benefit, and then we approve it. So, you know, yeah, that's, again, it's going to be, that's a, that's a drug just going to be widely debated throughout the year. A company we've talked about in the past is Ameren, which, again, has been in the news for its fish oil pill, which won expanded approval and now carries the claim that it prevents heart attacks, strokes, and other related health problems in people with cardiovascular risk. It wasn't the full-blown claim the company was seeking, but a win nonetheless. How significant a victory was it, given the history of this drugs, and what will it mean to Ameren? Well, yeah, from a from a sort of very high level, it was it was a significant victory for Ameren, and uh, they got most of what they wanted uh, out of the expanded label for Recipa, and and it's a very large market, so now it's up to the company to you know to sort of make good on that label and 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 commercialize the drug and sell it um, and sort of, you know, and, and generate the kind of, you know, the billions of dollars in sales that people expect that drug to, to, to deliver. Um, you know, and I think it brings up an interesting sort of something that I'm looking, something that I'm watching or sort of one of my sort of, sort of big trends for 2020 will be drug launches. I think there's some significant drug launches that we will watch in 2020, and I'll, I'll run off a list here for you. you know, you've got Intercept Pharmaceuticals, which should have, which should get their the, their Nash drug approved. Um, it will be the first drug approved to treat Nash. So watching how that drug does uh, commercially will be really important. Um, you've got Amune with a peanut allergy, the, the peanut allergy therapy, um, the prevention preventative therapy. Um, again, that will be one I think will be really interesting to watch. You, you mentioned Amarin, that one will be good. Um, Global Blood Therapeutics, you know, just got their sickle cell disease drug approved at the end of the year, so I think people will be watching to see um, how that drug does on the market. And then, you know, again, we mentioned, you know, we mentioned Vertex and, and Trikafta, their new CF drug, and so that, that will also be a, um, a drug, a commercial launch to launch. One other drug you raised earlier, the Novartis gene therapy, Zolgensma for SMA, this had its launch. It's a potentially curative treatment for the condition. Have we learned anything about the commercial life of these therapies, and how has that launch gone? Well, initially, I mean, I think that the initial numbers coming out of Zolgensma from sales-wise were actually really good. Um, and, you know, that sometimes that's a little bit misleading because you have patients who are kind of sort of warehoused or sort of ready and, and, and to go on the therapy um, I think what we'll, we'll sort of have to see how that plays out and sort of how strong over the next few quarters that drug does. And, you know, the bigger issue there is just, is probably the reimbursement. And, you know, it is a, it is a very, well, it is the most expensive <laughs> medicine, uh, today. And, um, we'll, I think it will be, it, you know, we have to sort of see how insurance companies handle that, how reimbursement goes. You know, obviously it's a rare disease, so you're not talking about a ton of patients. Um, but I think just generally, you know, as we get more of these gene therapies, and this is, you know, not necessarily like a, a 2019 story because it's been, you know, one for the last few years and, and it will be into 2020 and beyond, is just kind of how these very, very expensive gene therapies, once they are approved, you know, how well they do commercially, how insurance companies handle them. You know, companies are taking on sort of different strategies on how to sort of ameliorate the high cost, um, and we'll just see how those play out. 
as part of your annual tradition, you poll readers on the very best and worst CEOs on a list of nominees. Uh, Al Nylum, CEO, uh, won for the second time in three years. Yeah, he. Yeah, I'm gonna. I think he's gonna be retired from the uh, from the award uh, now. You know, because he's won it twice. Um, yeah, John Ragnari from Al Nylum uh, was one of my nominees for best CEO of the year, and and then when I put it to a vote. Uh, among my readers, it's that uh, they they sort of picked him among the uh, as the as the number one guy. And um, you know, again, it's, I think RNA was you know RNA interference was a sort of big year for it uh, for, for the entire field. Um, certainly for Alnylam, you know, had a second drug approved, um, a third uh, RNAi drug from their pipeline looks on its way to being approved, uh, and then there was just a lot of good deal. There was a lot of good deal flow. Um, out of sort of the RNAi field, you know, most notably, um, you know, the medicines company being acquired or a deal sort of announced for that. So, you know, it, it, if you look kind of the long arc of RNAi, you know, it was it was something that was really exciting. Um, you know, it won a Nobel Prize years back, and then kind of big pharma sort of got out of the field. Um, but now it seems to have sort of definitely sort of entrenched itself as as a, as a definite platform. And a uh, you know a, a therapeutic platform, the technology that is definitely benefiting patients. The competition for Worcio was a tighter fight this year. Biogen's Michael Vunatsis took the dishonor. Why Vunatsis, and and what's the challenge ahead for him? Yeah, so I, I think it was maybe a little bit. I, I thought maybe it would have been a little bit of a controversial selection to sort of put the Biogen CEO on the worst list, uh, uh, but it turned out not to be. I mean, he actually, he won the award, so I guess people agreed that, that he should not only be on that list, but but be but be the worst CEO of the year. And I think it's not necessarily, you know, it, obviously it is about aducanumab, um, but I think it's also about the fact that Biogen finds itself in a position where it is so it, it is so heavily dependent on the outcome of of aducanumab, this incredibly risky. Drug, you know, and instead of sort of going out and diversifying the company and building a stronger pipeline, maybe making some sort of smaller acquisitions that could have really sort of helped to generate growth outside of, you know, outside of Alzheimer's, um, the company has just really not done that. And I think that's been a kind of perennial disappointment for its shareholders and for other people who watch the company. And that's kind of, that's pretty much, that's the reason that he's on the list. Not necessarily just because of aducanumab. It's just that, you know, so much is riding on this, on this drug that, um, you know, it doesn't really, it, it's a company that probably could have diversified its risk a little bit better. Scott Gottlieb left the FDA in 2019. You forget it's, it's been a long year here. It, it was a short but busy tenure. Will Gottlieb have a lasting legacy? Will he be remembered for anything? You mean other than tweeting a lot? <laughs> yeah, he will. Yes, I, we joke. We joke about Scott's tweets, and then, like you know, just a, a week or so ago, like his tweets disappeared, and there was a big hubbub about that. And, and now, I guess they're they've been restored. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, probably mostly around vaping uh, and, and e-cigarettes, and, and sort of the whole controversy there. You know, he obviously was very involved, and and continues to be involved even now that he's not at the FDA. Um, Probably that's where he will be most remembered. Um, you know, it's, it, he's such a, he's such a, I, I sort of feel bad for the, for the FDA commissioners and now Stephen Hahn, who's there, 
in, in that Scott Gottlieb just casts a large shadow. He, you know, he's a very charismatic guy. As we said, he tweeted a lot. Everybody knows him. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, he, he, and he's still out there. You know, he's very outspoken, and he's still to this day. Um, so it's, it's going to be hard for any FDA commissioner to kind of compete with that. Well, you mentioned Stephen Hahn. He comes to the agency after serving as chief medical executive at MD Anderson Cancer Center. What does he bring to the FDA, and what's on the top of the agenda for him? Well, that's that's a that is a really good question, and uh, Danny, I, I don't actually know. You know, it's interesting. There's very little that's known about Stephen Hahn. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, he's a well. I mean, he's you know, he comes out of MD Anderson. He's an oncologist. I mean, he has a you know, he's obviously a very credible and, and well qualified individual. Um, but in terms of like in terms of policies or things that he wants to champion. It's, it's, he's a little bit of a, of a closed book. Like, we don't really know what he's going to do. Um, so I think that, you know, that, you know, if you're looking ahead to 2020, like we, like we want to do here, uh, on this, in, in this interview is that's one of the things that we will, will be watching is to kind of see if there are policies he puts in place at the FDA or if there are subtle or even not so subtle changes in the way the FDA handles certain regulatory matters. Um, that will be something that I think People who watch the FDA uh, will definitely be keeping track of. It's the time of year when people gather in San Francisco to complain about crowds, the cost of hotel rooms, and San Francisco's homeless problem. It doesn't seem to dissuade people from coming to the J.P. Morgan Annual Healthcare Conference. Why do they keep coming back? You know, I think people come back um, despite... The, all the complaining and the things that you mentioned, which are, are all, are all, uh, are all things that people do complain about. Um, I think they come back for the connections that people make. Uh, and, you know, it is an, it is a meeting where, uh, companies get together, everyone is in the same place, and, um, you know, deals can be made, or even just introductions can be made that later turn into deals, partnerships, collaborations, uh, and I think that's probably the real reason the main reason that people uh, show up in San Francisco for J.P. Morgan every January. Um, and and then, you know, we're all just there, and, and everyone else is just there because they don't want to miss out. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, there's a big FOMO uh, component to it. What are you going to be watching this year? And give me a, a big farm and a big biotech you're most keen to hear from. I think, you know, I mean, we mentioned, you know, we mentioned, obviously, drug launches is something I want to watch. The FDA, we want to watch. I think, you know, obviously, you know, we haven't mentioned kind of M&A, and that's always a perennial topic of fascination and interest in people. Uh, it was a, it was a really, 2019 was a, was a really strong year, uh, for, for M&A. I mean, if you want to, you know, kind of cheat a little bit and include the, the, the Bristol Celgene deal, which, you know, obviously ended up, happened at the end of 2000. Right at the end of 2018, uh, it was a big year. You know, uh, I pulled up some figures at Lyric, uh, the, the investment bank Lyric had some had some numbers. There were 22 deals, uh, greater than 500 million dollars each, um, which was uh, well above the average, which is about 12 deals per year in 2019. Uh, deal total 230 billion dollars total M&A deals in 2019, which is about three times uh, the average over the last 10 years. So it was a really strong year for M&A. Um, people, so that, you know, naturally, that gets everybody's hopes, uh, expectations high 
for another strong year into 2020. Obviously, we'll see uh, how that goes, and, you know. But yeah, there was a lot of deals, so that's probably the the other big thing we're watching uh, in terms of like you know companies that I'm looking that I want to hear from um, among the big cap biotech. I would probably say Gilead is probably the one. Um, you know, this will be uh, Dan O'Day, who's their new CEO. You know, he started last March. So he missed out on all the JP, the JP Morgan fun and excitement, uh, last year. Um, they were in 2019. So this will be his first time, uh, presenting, uh, at JP Morgan as the CEO of Gilead. So I think it'll be interesting to hear, you know, and I do expect him to sort of start to talk, lay out a little bit of a strategic vision for how he sees where he wants to see Gilead go. I mean, he's done some of that already to some extent, but, um, you know, that's also a company that I think people expect do more deals, right? So maybe we'll get some insight uh, from him during his presentation. In the theme of M&A, is there a most likely to be acquired company out there you see? Well, any company I mentioned will not be acquired. So um, <laughs> I, I apologize to the shareholders of that company. You know, are they going, you know, probably, you know, it's funny that probably the company you hear most, uh, like the most buzz about is Unicure. Uh, the gene therapy company. Um, you know, once the once the deal uh, for Spark Therapeutics and Roche, once that deal closed, uh, you know, cleared all the uh, FTC stuff. Uh, you know, that was you know, Unicare is like everyone thinks that that's going to be like the next gene therapy company uh, to be acquired. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, but you know, there's you know you know there's lots of you know there are a lot of the companies sort of the old companies that are always on the list, and you know there's some new companies. But I would say Unicure. Um, is one that everyone <laughs> everyone hopes and or expects to be acquired. Every year when we have this discussion, it, it seems like we're heading into a period where drug pricing is finally going to be uh, a, a real issue that the legislators deal with. Um, it's an election year. On top of that, are we in for drug pricing reform in 2020? See, I'm actually really happy, Danny, that we got well into this interview. Uh, without ta- without mentioning politics or drug pricing, so I, I guess it's inevitable that we have to bring it up. Um, and so yes, yeah, obviously, uh, 2020 is uh, an election year. Unless you've you know been hiding in a cave, you, you know this, this is not a surprise to anybody. Um, so it will be a big uh, it will be a big uh, topic of discussion. I think it'll be sort of less of an overhang. You know, there's this always thought that oh, it's going to be a terrible thing for the for the sector. I think, you know, after the year that we've had where there's been, there's been so much discussion and there's been so many proposals brought, you know, introduced into Congress, um, you know, to varying degrees of, of sort of, you know, excitement or, you know, or lack thereof, um, it seems like maybe people aren't as worried about it. And, and, and maybe that's a good or a bad thing. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously it will, it will, it will play a role in the election. Um, but you know, you, you know, one of the things we, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned sort of this big sort of late rally in biotech stocks that started in October, and a lot of people, you know, if people kind of trying to figure out why that happened, and for some people, what they point to is Elizabeth Warren and kind of the sort of fizzling out of the Medicare of the Medicare for all proposals that were put out there and sort of championed. Um, Probably, you know, most strenuously by Elizabeth Warren is, is then when she sort of started backing away from, from Medicare for all, that was kind of seen as a signal, um, to the market that, you know, that it was safe to buy 
biotech and pharma stocks, and, and that might have helped trigger the, the year-end rally that we've seen. So what are you going to be watching longer term in 2020? Um, you know, I mean, I, I mean, all of the things that we've mentioned, um, I, I would say another thing that I'm kind of interested in is I think that this will be, well, 2020 will be a year where we start getting some of the off-the-shelf cell therapy data. You know, right now we have all, we have many CAR-Ts that we talk about approved and that are also in the clinic kind of nearing approval that are all, you know, bespoke you know, made for each individual patient. Um, you know, we have companies like Allergene, uh, Faith Therapeutics, and some others that are developing off-the-shelf uh, cell therapies for oncology. And uh, we're going to start to see some, I think, you know, probably still early, but maybe some more meaningful data from those companies. And I think that will be a very interesting trend to watch uh, going through 2020. Adam Feuerstein, National Biotech Columnist for Stat. Adam, thanks as always. Daddy, thanks a lot, and uh, happy holidays. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.